Okay, once again, Missionary Enterprises, Missionary Aid International, and this time we are in association with Zoll Embassy, Port Harcourt, Nigeria, Africa. And uh, this brother is my first contact in Nigeria, probably at least eight years ago. Uh, kept on kept in contact over the years, and uh, calls me and um, says, you know, I wanted to do a conference with you and never done anything with them in all those years, him and his church. And I only had like a week, five days to get ready. And I had other commitments, mm -mm. but I decided to go with it. And when I basically decided to go with it, when I began to kind of put ideas together, the Lord just gave me the structure of the four-day conference and basically gave me the verses overall. I mean, of course, you got to do your own studying and you got to have certain verses inside of you already. So it turned out really good. And this was for July 27th to July 30th, 2023. And basically, he wanted me to teach on a fresh anointing. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to teach on the anointing or pneumatology or lordship of the spirit wow what a great title right all three of them all squeezed in together lots of ground to cover today and over the next uh, we got three more videos after this one so keeping busy uh, keeping david busy for a little bit so day one today's day one of the teaching so what i started with this no matter what the subject or topic the foundation is always essential always essential in order to properly understand the subject or topic involved. All right? It's a no-brainer. This includes the natural as well as the spiritual. It doesn't matter. All right? <clears throat> and when it comes to the anointing, which is nothing or no one else but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, we need to understand, I got this underlined here, we need to understand all of this in context with the original creation, the fall of mankind, all of this pre-before the cross, and the new creation, which is post-cross, after the cross, in order to expose the many misconceptions out there about the Holy Spirit, all right, and about a lot of other things too. So, I'll be spending more time on the Holy Spirit in context with the new creation because that has to do with us today, basically out of 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're a new creation, all right? That's going to be the last day. That's going to be the fourth video. So let's start here. I mentioned the word foundation in the opening statement. And that's because if we don't get our foundation right, whatever it is, whatever the subject is, we will get the rest of the subject or topic wrong. And this is actually found, let's go to 1 Corinthians 3.10, regarding, according to the grace of God bestowed on me, Paul says, is like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation. Yes regarding the gospel. And now another man is building upon it, man or woman, but let each be careful how he builds upon it. All right, so now when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the foundation has already been laid, like everything else, which is found in the Word of God, yet it has to be rightly divided and rightly interpreted. All right, and I don't want to skip pages here. So many of our conferences in the church over the years usually have preaching but you will hear the word today from the standpoint of a teacher and more than a teacher from an apostolic reformer and defender of the faith all right 
and and this will come out in the next four days yet you may not recognize it. a lot of people don't recognize this but you know we got to get that more out in there in the church so that people can recognize it so let's begin with genesis 1 1 obviously getting our foundation right in the beginning uh god created the heavens and the earth all right so no god introduces himself to mankind as the sole creator of the heavens and meaning the universe and not heaven since heaven has always existed and of the earth that's key we also need to realize that everything needed to create the heavens as well as the earth he had to create as in the material the substance needed to bring the universe and the earth into existence the universe is made up of stars, planets, galaxies. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff out there. I don't know a whole lot about that. This goes to show you just how awesome God really is. And this will be key in understanding what this side of God, since God becomes our God, our Father, our Provider, or Lord, once we are born of God, the Creator of the universe becomes our Father. We got to get a hold of this because it's going to help us when it comes to uh, receiving from Him. Uh, by faith, putting God to work. <laughs> We're going to touch on that. Not today, I don't think so. Anyhow, let's look at Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and empty waste. Darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. And, keyword here, the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Note, verse 1. In verse 1, we have the keyword create. We had in verse one we had the word create, and now in verse two we have the key words spirit of God. All right, so create spirit of God. See where I'm going with this? And this tells me that the one who actually created or brought into existence the universe, the earth uh, from non-existence was and is the spirit of God. All right, so all three persons of the Godhead are co-creators. All right. But there is one out of the three that stands out when it comes to the actual creating part of it all. The actual creator is the Spirit of God, God's Spirit, and anointing. All right. So this verse actually tells us that the Spirit of God is the actual performer, the actual creator, or active empowering agent and presence of the Godhead. All right. So another note here. This verse 2 may very well be one of the most important verses out of the whole Bible. Once we understand and unpack what and who the Spirit of God really is and can do, as is His role in the Godhead, and more importantly, His role here upon the earth, especially in the church, the body of Christ. Because this reference of the Spirit of God is referring to the same Spirit we read about in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament regarding the life and ministry of Jesus as well as the life and ministry of the early church. Especially when it comes to the miracles, the signs, the wonders, healings, deliverance, all of that. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just want to say this. The spirit that we just read about in Genesis is the very same spirit that lives on the each on the inside of each one of us who are born of God, born of the Spirit. In other words, the creator of the universe, the creator 
of the earth, the creator of mankind, lives on the inside of you and me. And I call this good news. Let's move on to Genesis 1, stone 1, 3 to 4. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Four, and God saw that light was good, and he approved it, and God separated the light from darkness. Darkness, excuse me. Note, these two verses in context with what I just said about verse 1 and verse 2 regarding the Spirit of God being the Creator have tremendously helped me in understanding how God created and how He creates or how He was and is able to bring things into existence into the seen or visible realm that did not previously exist or that was not previously visible and seen. Note, God first speaks, God said, and what he wants to see come into being visibility, and then he performs it so that he can see it. God saw, right? We were just read, God said, and then God saw, and he has not changed regarding how he operates and gets things or his work done. God has no other choice in the matter to perform what he says so that he can see it, meaning if he does not perform it, he won't see it even though he spoke, said it first. God has not changed at all from the beginning of all beginnings. I need to add this since it's coming to me. What is that? Most say that the Old Testament began back in Genesis chapter 1, since most, if not all, Bibles have the first page Old Testament says Old Testament before the Bible gets into Genesis 1. But this is very misleading because the Old Testament actually began somewhere in chapter 3 regarding the fall or after the fall of man. Therefore, what we read in the first two chapters should be labeled as the original creation in context with the fall of man, of course, fall of mankind afterwards and then the new creation, which is somewhat rightly called the New Testament or the new will regarding the word testament, regarding the original will that God had for man before the fall. Because God has not changed his mind at all. What he, God, had intended for man before the fall, he still intends it for today, and that's what the new creation is all about. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 God said, let us make mankind in our image and let them, who? Mankind have complete authority. Right? Verse 27, 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, be multiply, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. All right? So note here, what we just read, verse 26 to 28, has to be kept in its proper context going back to what we previously read regarding the Spirit of God being the Creator as well as how God created. Because context is everything, and as ministers of the Word of God, we will be accountable giving an account to God Himself regarding how we taught his holy word regarding rightly dividing his word, as well as teaching the whole council, which is really key to defending the faith.
All right, if you've got wrong doctrine, <laughs> you can't be defending the faith. All right, you're probably defending another gospel, another faith. Once again, we have multiple references to God being the creator, right? We just read 26, 27, 28. And this time we're exposed to the great realities of God being the creator of mankind, right? Four times we're told that God is the one that made, verse 26, created, uh, verse 27, three times the word created, mankind. Do you think God is trying to tell us something in contrast with what's been and is being taught over the years regarding evolution, the Big Bang, millions and billions of years? Yes, of course, he's trying to tell us something. God is actually trying to convince us that he is the one that created us, meaning if he did not create us, we would not even exist. We would not even be here on this planet, nor would the earth exist. And that's just a reality of it. Even within some parts of the church, we teach on some of this. Since the atheists, a theist, it's found in Ephesians 2.12 in the Greek text, do not believe in God's existence, they needed to come up with something to explain how we exist today, how the universe exists. You know, but they're first ones to admit, they are the first ones to admit, when you look at a building, whatever it is, if you look at this, you know, I use these to cover my, my monitors, whatever it is, a pen, whatever, you know, they're the first ones to admit that somebody made that. Somebody had to come up with the idea, make a blueprint, get the material together, put it together. Absolutely. They're the first ones to admit that. So why don't they apply the same principle to the universe, the earth, and man? Hmm. Something strange there. I make much use of the word man, referring to mankind, meaning male and female, in which we have our Greek word anthropos in the New Testament regarding anthropology. So when I'm using the word man instead of mankind, I mean mankind. I mean male and female. So note, and once God created man in his own image, God gave man this great gift and responsibility called dominion so that man could exert this dominion for God's purposes upon the earth. God created man in his own image and likeness, yet what part of man was created in God's image since man is a tripart being? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, God is spirit, John 4.24. So, God created us, spirit, soul, and body, right? God created us spirit first, foremost, then he gave us a soul, and then he gave us a physical body called by many an earth suit compared to a space suit so that we can get around on this planet called the earth. Apart the, the human body, can't get around. And all of this is in context with the Holy Spirit as a creator, as well as how he created Genesis 1, 3 to 4 as well as in context with this word dominion we just read in Genesis 1, 26 and 28. In verse 26, the Amplified has the word authority, which is an accurate translation reminding me of what we find in the New Testament regarding the word authority, exousia, as well as the word power, dunamis, of the believer we've been given to get the work done upon the earth. Example, Luke 9, 1. Also worth noting, in context with all of this is what verse 26 says regarding God said, let us make man. But then he said, 
let them, man, have authority and dominion. See, God gave his dominion, his authority to man, his own dominion that he had used back in Genesis 1, 3 to 4. All right. And this is why so many of us do not believe in God's sovereignty because of man's free will, moral agency, yet with responsibility and great consequences. God was sovereign when he himself created the universe, the earth, as well as man, as well as in the birth of Jesus, the second Adam, the cross. Yet there are many things that took place and that need to take place outside of his sovereignty. And this is something we need to understand, especially in context with what? The law of faith, the law of sowing and reaping. The law of faith, meaning the law of faith, walk by faith versus walking by sight. Man was and is still free to choose or not choose what God has chosen for man, which includes sinners and saints alike, including going back to the Old Testament, Old Testament saints. It's always been the same thing. God tells us what to do, what to choose, but he can't and won't do or choose it for you, starting with Adam and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 2.17. Not tempting man, no, 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 James 1.13, but giving man an opportunity to use his God-given freedom to choose right from wrong or wrong from right. God will never force or stop anyone from doing or choosing the wrong things, beginning with Lucifer and then Adam, until today. But he will try to warn us as much as he can without violating our free will, even as sinners, since their bondage to sin is their own doing and not his, but he is there to help them. Mankind died spiritually, physically, and is still dying because mankind chose and is still choosing death over life. Whew. We were all there at that moment, therefore we would have done the very same thing as Adam did. And I will say that man till this day is still choosing hell over heaven. They don't know it, but that's what they're doing. God knew very well that man would fall, and if he had decided not to create man because of this foreknowledge, of the consequences, he would have taken man's free moral agency away from him, man. God knew very well that there would be wars, terrorists, drugs, dictators, murders, rapists, pedophilia, pedophiles, etc., 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 but he still had no other choice in the matter since he had told man what to do and not to do beforehand and not after the fact. No, 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 no. God did not tell Adam after he ate, well, you're going to die. No, no, no. He told him before, not after. Genesis 2.7, then the Lord God, regarding God creating man, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of spirit or spirit of life, and man became a living being. Here we have a specific reference to how God created man. And this is, I believe, the first reference where we have the words Lord God, not just God, uh, because man is now involved. So we got the Lordship of God coming into the picture only once man comes into the picture and not even with animals. All of this because of man's free moral agency. 
This is how God created the human body, including the internal organs, the veins, the blood, the arteries, as well as man's spirit and soul. All of this by the spirit, of course. Has anyone ever tried to create a human body out of the dust of the ground? Don't waste your time. The first human body was still not alive, but dead until God breathed into the body, causing everything to come alive. The word breathe is the same word for the word spirit in the Hebrew, as well as the Greek word in the New Testament, with the word pneuma, and I believe in the Old Testament, it's the word ruah, I believe. The physical body of man is man's earth suit as a vehicle to get around upon this earth so that we can get around being spiritual beings as it is with spacesuits, which I'm repeating myself. I want to briefly touch on the importance of the human body, especially as saints, being the temple of the Spirit and what the Word has to say about sexual sins committed against God since our body is now His and He lives on the inside of us. So anytime you commit the act of adultery, fornication, whatever, you have God directly involved and the same goes for the act of self-gratification. Whether you are married or not, you are still committing adultery if you're married or fornicating, fornication if you're still single, since you're having sex with yourself instead of your spouse regarding self-gratification. All of this is found in one of Paul's epistles in Corinthians, and we will look at this the next day, which is going to be the next teaching. The church is the body of Christ, and each member of his body is his own body upon the earth to represent him as the head of his body, the church, the ecclesia. All of this in context with the indwelling spirit and the new nature, which is where the spirit dwells. And this is why Paul makes much about honoring God with our physical bodies in context with keeping ourselves pure and chaste, even once we're married. Absolutely. Born of incorruptible seed to live a life free from any type of corruption, including moral and sexual corruption and decay, born of the divine nature. All right? Huge. We have the very same nature that Jesus was born with, making us sons of God, making Jesus our elder brother in his humanity. The moment I'm born of God, born of the Spirit, my body belongs to Jesus and God and God, since Jesus belonged to God, being the very first to be born with the new nature regarding the first to be born of this new race, the new creation, which is the church, being God's new creation to replace his original creation, which fell, right? The original creation fell fall of mankind, fell. That's why God had to come up with a new creation. This is why we need to be careful what we do as well as where we go as well as what we look at and listen to as his body, since my body, including my eyes, my ears, everything about my body are his and no longer mine nor anybody else, anyone else's. You cannot engage in sexual activity activities apart from your body. That is a no-brainer. I had lots of sex before I got saved, and every time I had sex, my physical human body was extremely actively involved in the whole process. And so it is once you are born of God, yet this time your body is not your own. The human body is used for everything, whether great, good, or bad, or evil. The moment you are born of God, your body must be used for God's 
purposes and not yours nor anyone else's. We bring God into everything, whether we believe it or not, because He's inside of us, plus we now have His nature. Let's look at Job 33.4 regarding God creating, or the Spirit creating man. It is the Spirit of God that made me, which has stirred me up, and the breath of the Almighty that gives me life. So here we have note another reference regarding man created by God with a specific reference to the Spirit being the creator of man. So, at the end we had, so we just wanted to make a, this is basically laid out the foundation for the whole, the rest of the teachings, the conference. So, during our question and answer time, somebody had mentioned, uh, this verse was mentioned regarding our spirit having been created by the spirit, which I had mentioned, and then they brought this verse, uh, which is Romans 8.16, the spirit himself testifies together with our own spirit that we are children of God. The human spirit is that part of us that needs to get saved, recreated, because when Adam fell, he lost the image of God in his spirit, in his nature, meaning we need a new nature, or need recreation, a recreation with God's image so that we can belong to him once again by becoming once again one of his children and sons. All of this has to be taught in context with Genesis 5, 1-3. This is the book of the generations of the offspring of Adam. When God created man, He, God, created, made him, man, in the likeness of God. Two, He created them, male and female, blessed them, named them both Adam at that time. Man, at that time, they were created. Three, this is the humdinger. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, after his image, and he named him Seth. All right? So no longer in the image of God, but in his own image, which is a fallen image. Since the fall of man, man has been procreating daughters and sons in their own image, which is a fallen, corrupt image, or void of God's image which is why God needed to start a new race with a new Adam that was born and carried God's image once again on the earth in the very same way that the first Adam was before he fell. This is a big part of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Sinners have Adam's fallen image, yet saints have new, the new Adam's image born of the Spirit as we are so that the Spirit can dwell within man's nature the recreated spirit of man, so that God can guide, lead man by his spirit, which he cannot do with those who are still in union with the first Adam and their fallen nature. God can't work with the fallen nature. He can only work with the new nature. Basically, the new nature is synonymous with the new man. Note, and all of this has to be taught in context with, let's look at Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus so that we may do those good works which God predestined for us that we should walk in them, living the life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Also, let's look at Titus 3.5 regarding the recreation of man's spirit. God saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own pity and mercy, by the cleansing bath of the new birth, we got the word regeneration there, which is the word Greek word palin, and then um, 
Genesia or Palin again, and we got the word Genesis and as well as the word renewing in there. Everything I said today so far is called discipleship and equipping of the saints. Basically, that's what I'm doing, Ephesians 4.12. And all of this will lead to the New Testament on day four, which will enhance your walk with God regarding your calling in his body as well as in his local, the local church that God has placed you in. And this has to be built on the inside of you. So, my final note here, I think. Yes, no need for a fresh anointing. Since we have the indwelling spirit, the anointing, unlike the Old Testament saints who did not have the new nature. You may grieve the Holy Spirit, but he won't leave you. Even when you make some serious mistakes, he won't leave. But because if he ever leaves because of you walking away from your salvation, your Savior, that's different. He will never come back inside of you. Never. God never takes away our salvation. It's man that tosses away his salvation. Never. God is never the problem, never, meaning we're the problem. Thank you for your time, and as I always encourage our listeners to learn to walk, uh, learn what it takes to walk in your sonship by learning to what it takes to walk in the grace of God as well as in the faith of God, because it's your faith that gives access to the grace of God. Shalom and amen.